So we're wrapping up this little series called uh, Dynamics of Faith, and we've been uh, trying to, I've been trying to, to put our finger on something, and that is this question like, what is going to make for a growing faith? Um, a growing faith, you know, right? We've talked about some, some themes throughout Scripture and kind of tried to, to, to focus in on them, some really important things, I think, in the New Testament that Jesus invites us into. We've talked about dying to ourselves, like a major theme of Jesus' ministry. We talked about receiving an identity, you know, being invited into the family of God and what that means for how we think about ourselves and how we think about what it is to follow Jesus and, and, and to be a person who is seeking after him and growing him and, in him. And then we talked about growing in godliness, you know, the, the call that we have to put away sin, to, to be transformed, because this is part of how we grow in faith. And what we've been doing each week is really trying to pay attention to how these things actually function in our spiritual lives. And I, I've been encouraging you to kind of live into some of these things because I really think we can practice them. That's the thing. Like when something becomes alive and we experience it to be true, it's because we actually are practicing it well. The, 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 the instructions that Jesus gives us and the calls in Scripture are not just things to put in our head, but things to live out and live into. That's where the dynamic comes from. And, and all of these things are really, I think, just ways of talking about the same thing. That is, ways of talking about how we can live into a dynamic faith. And the Bible has a lot of ways to talk about that. I think these are just some that have, at least for me, been very important and I think are, are pretty important when we think about uh, the New Testament and what it's calling us to. Um, like, just like, like, like there's, I think this is probably the most beautiful thing about Scripture, right? I think sometimes, uh, as, as, as Western people, thinking people, we think everything must just be one way, and there must just be one right way. But what Scripture gives us, it's like, um, it's like looking at God's, God's beauty and his, his call to live a life full of faith from so many different angles. That's what we're doing. We're just looking at the same thing from different angles, how to have a dynamic faith from different angles. And today, what I want to do is wrap up this series by considering one more spiritual dynamic. I'm not going to say it's the most important, but I do think it is important, and that is just the call to be filled with the Spirit, the call to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And really, I think if how, how we think, when we think about how, how the biblical authors explain being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, it, it really shows us, um, it really just, I mean, illustrates in a very real way, that this is, not a, this is not a static thing. This is a dynamic thing, right? Even in the way the logic of the Holy Spirit is handled, we, we, we know that to be true. Because if we know our theology, oh, and by the way, did you know we're having a theology class? If, 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 if you don't, you know, I want to welcome you to that. But if we know our, our, our theology, uh, then we, we know that um, anyone who is a Christian Anyone who's truly put their, their faith in Jesus, follows him, who's been, who's been baptized into the faith, given their life over to Jesus, right, has the Holy Spirit in them. Like, that's just what the Bible tells us is true. Uh, that's, that's what we were, uh, we were called to do. Jesus, when he uh, was departing and, and leaving kind of the, the mission to the disciples and commissioning the church, he told them, told them this. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. See, Jesus, when, he, when he's establishing his church, when he's, when he's saying, okay, I'm going to go up into heaven, and you guys are going to continue on the work, like, but I'm going to be right here with you. What I'm going to do is I'm commissioning you 
to be people who are going out into the world and proclaiming in inviting the way that I've opened up through the forgiveness of sin, through the reconciliation that I won at the cross, invite those people who are believing and trusting in that into this baptism, this immersive relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's inviting people. The the message that we're proclaiming and baptizing people into is that you can have this immersive relationship with the Trinitarian God, God who is present with us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you can know him. You you, you know the Father. You have a relationship with uh, the Father through Jesus, and Jesus is sending the Holy Spirit into the world to do a great work in you and proclaim his name. But we are all invited into this relationship with God himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You now, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a life with God, a life with you, which you did not have before because before when you were in sin, you were alien from, alienated from God, you didn't have a life with him. But now, following after him, you are invited into an immersive relationship with God himself. And those who believe in Jesus are saved by his grace. They receive the Spirit. Paul makes that really clear in Ephesians, Ephesians uh, 1, 13 through 14. He says, in him, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. When you believed, when you heard the word of truth, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. In other words, When you believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit did something in you. He sealed you for the day of salvation. He sealed you. The Spirit is the down payment of your inheritance. He is a sure sign that what God has promised, that you would have a life with him, a life everlasting, an eternal life beginning now, it will come to pass in all of its fullness eternally. And that he is uh, we are, he is ours, we are his, and he's never going to leave us or forsake us. God is sending the Holy Spirit, sealing with us so that we would know that. So anyone who follows Jesus, anyone who's given their, their life to Jesus can experience this. The Holy Spirit is in you. And I, I sort of think, I used to misunderstand what, what was happening here. I used to think that this verse was about like sin, like the Holy Spirit It's like a down payment against my sin, but then I had to pay the rest or something like that. You know, like he's just kicking in a little bit, right? But that's not what he's saying. Uh, The other day, uh, well, a couple months ago, I bought a car on Facebook Marketplace. It was down in Vancouver, and I like couldn't get to Vancouver today because, you know, it's a drive. Um, So I I contacted the guy and I said, look, I'm I'm not just like some random bot on the internet. I'm a real person. I want to buy this car. How about this? I'm going to Venmo you $200 right now. It's not a lot. The car's going to cost a lot more than that. But I'm going to give you a down payment. And the reason I wanted to give him a down payment is so that he would be sure that in like four days, I was actually going to show up. Or he would have $200. You know, it's, just, it's not a bad thing for him. Um, right? I gave this guy a down payment to assure him that I was coming. I sent a deposit. This is what's going on. What Jesus is doing is he's sealing us with his spirit. He's putting his spirit in people giving it to them 
and saying, hey, look, it's, it's all yours. This is like the down payment on your inheritance. There's gonna be a lot more where this came from. But what I have, I'm giving it to you. So one, you'll be assured that I'm coming back. I'm not gonna leave you. And number two, so that you can have it right now. I sent that guy 200 bucks. If he wanted to go out, I don't know. What, what cost $200? Like a really nice Lego set? <laughs> you guys are the nerds. It's not me. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> They do cost that much. It's sad. <laughs> he could have done that. That was his. He could have spent that money. It was all his. Like, I sent it to him. It's on me. Like, I'm taking the risk. I'm putting it to him. But it's his. Anyone who's following Jesus, those who have been saved, those who are trusting him, those who from the heart have turned to him, just like in repentance, have received the Spirit. That deposit is, is yours. It's yours to make do with. And I would say, but the, the call and the, the way Scripture is, is, is using this call to have the Holy Spirit, it makes it really clear that we are invited to make use of that deposit. We're encouraged to. We're, we're receiving this gift, this, this Spirit. Like, it's essential. It's something that God has done in us. It's a, it's a good gift. But even more than that, we're called to be full of this Spirit ongoingly. We're called to make use of and walk by the power of the Spirit ongoingly. It's not just to have something in my pocket and just say, oh, well, eventually it's going to be worth something. You have something right now that is of great value for this life. And you are called to make use of it to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be walking in the power of this downpaid inheritance that you already have, to be walking in a life with God. We're called to use it, enjoy it, enjoy this relationship, this life with God that we have right now because we've been adopted in as sons and daughters and nothing is going to stop that because Jesus has paid the price for our sin. He's redeemed us and he will finally, when he's bringing his kingdom to pass and setting up everything and setting up heaven here on earth, we're gonna be right there with him because he's faithful and he's true, but he's also right now building his kingdom and calling people to make use of this down payment, this inheritance, to use it. And Paul makes it clear, he makes it clear throughout his, his writings, like we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 just says that. Be filled by the Spirit. And so yes, like it's a two-part two thing. Yes, you have the Spirit when you trusted Jesus. You've got that down payment in your pocket. But we are invited into a dynamic kind of faith. You're invited to be filled, filled even more so than just like this, this conceptual idea of like this passive thing. Oh, I, something's been done. That's great. But to walk into this inheritance that you have. It's not a passive kind of thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a dynamic thing. It's about enjoying and, and partaking in the presence of the Spirit in your life on a daily basis. It's about abounding in your faith, growing in confidence, walking into all the many promises that God says that the Holy Spirit will be doing in our lives, bringing about hope, pouring out the love of God in our hearts, pouring out power, leading us, filling us with knowledge, revelation, conviction, all these things that God says, they're yours in abundance. By the power of the Spirit, we're to make use of them. That verb, be filled, in the original Greek text, it's a present continuous tense. You've probably all heard this before, right? If you've been around church for a little while, you've heard that. It's present continuous. So it's not like, oh, get filled once, 
continually get filled. I, I, heard a, I heard a pastor quote some old theologian. I thought it was funny. He said, he said, yeah, I believe in the second filling of the Holy Spirit. He says, it comes right after the first and right before the third. His point being, I like that, right? His point being that, man, it's not like, like there's some like, weird doctrine we need to get into. He's like, he's like, this is it. It's just that we're called to this continual life of being filled by the Holy Spirit every single day. Day one, get filled by the Holy Spirit. Day two, be filled by the Holy Spirit. Day three, keep being filled by the Holy Spirit. It just keeps going on and on. This, this, we're called into this dynamic of being filled up, and I think that makes us extremely uncomfortable. I thought it was really funny. In the worship songs we sang, right? We sang two worship songs. We sang a hymn, and we sang uh, like the, the, the newer song. And, and one, it's like, we're like, you deserve the glory. You deserve it all. We love singing songs like that. And it's true. God does deserve the glory. Like, and that's easy for us to say. It's easy for us to say, yeah, God, like you're, you're like transcendent. You're above. You're holy. You're so awesome. We can, we can get behind that. We can sing that with gusto. There was one line in the, in the earlier song, though, about how we're just to be taking from Jesus. Didn't that make you a little uncomfortable? I was like, oh, man. That I'm supposed to take from Jesus? I thought I was supposed to give him the glory. But I really think this is it. Like, this is what I'm talking about. We're called into a kind of relationship where our giving him glory actually involves our continual dependence, our reliance, and our taking upon him. That's that's a little different than the way I normally think about what God is owed or what I can do for God. I think, man, I'm going to give him glory. I can do that. But he's telling me I just need to receive from him to just make use of this inheritance. Well, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to treat God that way, <laughs> except he says, treat me that way. Be filled with my presence. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on. We don't like to depend on anybody. We're, we're, I mean, look at like, this is a, a suburban church in Seattle. Like, like y'all are resourceful people. Resourceful people like you, like, you know how to get by. Oh, you don't have enough. Well, we'll just spend less. We'll just do less. We'll just, you, we'll get by. Man, God just says, no, look, you have an inheritance. Rely on me, depend on me. Like, make full use of what I've given to you. That's uncomfortable for me. That's uncomfortable for you. I'm just going to say, it's probably pretty uncomfortable for you. Get over it. <laughs> That's helpful. <laughs> ah. So yes, like um, you have the spirit, but you're invited into a dynamic life. You're invited to be filled with the spirit, which is not this passive kind of thing like we've been talking about. Enjoying his presence on, on, on a daily basis. It's about abounding in your faith. It's about seeing God work. It's about being filled. So, so how do we do that? Um, I think, I think if, we, if we examine the text, particularly the book of Ephesians, okay, one thing becomes really, really clear when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Every time Paul encourages the church to be filled with the Spirit, he, in the same sentence, although he didn't have sentences, but in the same thought, simultaneously commands them to be putting away sin. There's a connection between these two things. I'll give you, give you two examples. Ephesians uh, 5, like we've just been looking at, he says, before he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. And then earlier, Ephesians 4, he says, don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. 
Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander, be removed from you, along with all malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. So there's a clear, there's, there's, a, there's a very clear inverse relationship between sin and fullness of the Spirit. Those two things just don't go well together. In fact, they, they negate one another. When we just like engage in willful sin, it's an obstacle to our being filled with the Spirit. But just stop. Stop feeling guilty for a second. Let's put a pause on it. You'll feel guilty later. Don't worry. No, I'm, I hope you won't. Because this is good news. This is good news about this. Like, like we hear this and we think, oh, yeah, that's right. You're right. My biggest problem is that I'm just like such a, I'm the worst. <laughs> and I'm going to be the worst tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. And so there's, I'm never going to be filled with the Holy Spirit because I'm the worst, right? This might seem like bad news, that there's this inverse relationship between sin and being filled with the Holy Spirit. But, but the good news is that God is really good at dealing with sin. He's the best in fact, he's the only one who can actually deal with it. Um, uh, even if you aren't, even if you don't feel competent or capable to deal with your own sin, which by the way, I mean, like, well, it's, it's like in John, like if we tell ourselves that we don't have sin, we're just liars. So actually, here's the thing is, you got sin anyway. So, you know, God's just gonna have to deal with it. Anyways, he's the only one who can. But how do we do this? I mean, look at, he says in Ephesians 4, 31, he says, let all bitterness, is it, be overcome by trying harder. Let all bitterness and anger and malice uh, zip your lips, check your heart. No, it's be removed from you. Let this sin, let this difficulty be removed from you. Man, some more interesting verbs, right? Verbs are so great, right? We had the present continuous, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here we have another little verb. It's in the aorist tense. It's a passive verb, be removed from you. You have a sin problem. You have these things which are grieving the Holy Spirit in your life. Let them be removed from you. It's implying that it's not you who's going to do it. It's not by your great effort. Which is not to say, you know, effort doesn't matter, but it's like you aren't going to be the one who accomplishes it in the end. The Spirit working probably alongside you, yes, but doing the one doing the work, he's going to remove it. Let God so fill you with his presence, animate you with a vision of what your life could be if only you actually relied and took from him instead of trying to give him the glory in your flesh. Let him so change your idea of what it is to live your life and be a person who worships him to the point where you can just say, God, I'm gonna let you take it because I know you're the sort of God who does take sin. You forgive sin sin, and then you take it as far as the east is from the west, and then you teach us righteousness, and you put in us a real desire to be a different kind of person. And even when we fail, you come back because you have generously provided for us this inheritance, which we're not going to exhaust anytime soon. And so we just come and we continually take from you the power that you've given, that's the down payment for the promise that you are really going to bring godliness and transformation in, your, in our lives. And so you let his presence fill you, fill you with what's already been given, which is already yours in your wallet, in your account. You just make use of it. 
and you actually come to understand what the Lord's will is, and you think about your life, and you start thinking about your sin, and it, and it grieves you, not from, for guilt. Like, guilt is just, oh, I feel bad. It must be that God hates me. Conviction is different. It's, I feel bad. I need to turn back to the one who can heal me, who loves me, who cares for me. And so we continually go back to him, and we continually seek his presence, even when we fail. In the midst of our failing, we come to him, the only one who has the power to really transform us. God has made some audacious promises to us that he's going to really do something, and he'll do these things in our life. We are to let him remove these things from us. The Greek word, be filled, I think I've got the definition up there. It just, I mean, it just means be filled. It's not that complicated of a word. Plero is the, uh, yeah, if you want to learn some Greek, that's where it is. There's, you know, six letters. It's great. To be filled, but it's also like has this sense of being supplied with, right? That's, how, that's what we fill something with. We supply it. And I like this, to, to be or become generously supplied with. I like that a lot more than filled because I think we'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and I think of like some theological concepts and you probably do too. You probably have some abstract ideas based on your experience about what is like, oh, the theology of the Holy Spirit and maybe it's right and maybe it's wrong. I don't know. But here, like quite frankly, the word to be filled is to be generously supplied with. Look at this is it. The fullness that we're called to, this is it. God has supplied generously his, himself to us himself, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for us, himself, his Holy Spirit into our lives, pouring out into our hearts, testifying of the love he has for us, convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. He is giving us, supplying us every resource we might need to actually walk into the promises, walk into the open door of his invitation. He's doing it all. We just need to let him do it. And we've talked about spiritual disciplines before, right? You probably remember Uncle Dallas's, uh, Dallas Willard's um, triangle of, I think I've got a, I've got a slide up here, uh, golden triangle of spiritual formation, right? And I mean, spiritual disciplines are important. They're making use of God's resources to do the things that we can't do, right? And they involve our engagement in them, right? And also, you know, like, like we need to just stand in ordinary temptations when temptation comes, like, Part of how you get filled with the Holy Spirit is when you're tempted, you resist. And it's like you're involved in that. Your presence is important in that. Your participation is important in that. But we cannot discount that the fact is that we, as people immersed in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are also just enjoying life with him and experiencing the fact that he is working in the world. He's working in our hearts. And sometimes he's just taking sin away. He's removing it. And we can seek him for that just as much as we can seek to enact discipline, which is just working alongside of him. We need to seek him and to understand that he has generously supplied anything and everything that we might need for the Christian life. It's right at your feet. At your feet, right at your hand. It's for the taking. So I just want us to stop for a second. And I want us to pray because I think so much um, 
of our striving, and striving is just a way of thinking about like all of our misspent effort to be better, to do better, is because we're just not making use of the resources that we have. I was listening to a sermon, um, and this lady was talking about uh, the Holy Spirit, and she talked about what God had done in her life, and, and she just said this simple thing, and I, I, I don't know why I'm so resist. I'm probably because I I'm, think I'm too smart, but I'm so resistant to simple things. And she said she just starts her day every day, and she just says, come, Holy Spirit. She prays that prayer that the church has been praying for 2,000 years, come, Holy Spirit. And that's enough. <laughs> I want to make it so much harder. I want to make it about me being coming a stronger person. I want to make my, uh, my, my continuance in the faith about me being smarter, uh, holier, other things. But, but what if it was just as simple as me receiving from God the generous supply of his resources. And so I just want us to take a minute and just, I just want us to stop and I just want us to pray that together. Um, to just invite the Holy Spirit to come and, and for his presence to fill us and to just, to, to remind ourselves of our great need for him, our dependence upon God. And the invitation that we have to enjoy him, to know him, and as we, as we do this, I'm, I'm going I'm to read you actually a, a prayer that um, Origen, uh, an ancient church father, wrote, okay? So I think it's so good, and then I just want us to take a time of waiting as, as we just, just read this, and then we're just going to wait for a minute, okay? He, Jesus, this is Origen's prayer, and, and Origen had some, he did some weird things, actually. He's kind of an interesting character, but he was an important theologian early in the church, and he prayed this. He said, Jesus, my feet are dirty. Come even as a slave to me. Pour water into your bowl. Come and wash my feet. In asking such a thing, I know I am overbold. But I dread what was threatened when you said to me, if I do not wash your feet, you can have no fellowship with me. Wash my feet then, because I long for your companionship. Who are we, Lord, except people called to be your companions, people who are served by you? How can that be that we can take from you, Jesus? And yet you assure us that it's true. Lord, you generously supply everything we need, and yet we strive to be so self-sufficient. Come, Holy Spirit, be enough for us. Lord, when we're weak, we need you. Lord, would you strengthen us? We simply need your washing. Holy Spirit, would you empower us? Come, Holy Spirit. I was um, on a Zoom call with a bunch of pastors earlier this week, and um, a guy from England was talking about, um, 
you know, his church and what the Lord was doing. And he, and he said this. I thought it was, I thought it was amazing. Um, it's so simple. He's saying, like, basically, pastors think that we need, you know, better teaching and better facilities and better worship and better outreach and better marketing and better, more money or whatever. But he said this, he said, but that's really just, that's not what people need. What people want from church is, is just God. That's what we need more of. We just need him. We could meet in a field. We could be nobodies. If only we had God, if only we, we, were, we were experiencing him, like we could have everything that we need. And yet we get our eyes so quickly, we're habitually into substituting things for his power. And it's not like, I mean, there's necessity, of course, like in the end, you know, you gotta, you gotta do things, you gotta be in the world. But before we are anything else, the church must be a place where God is present. And your life, if it's going to be anything, it's going to be satisfying. Your Christian life, if it's going to be satisfying to you at all, it has to be because God is in it. It's because you're making use of his resources. He's sent the Spirit into your life for a purpose. And yet we eke by on other things when we could be so satisfied in him. And it's, it's the simple things that we could do, like waking up in the morning, first thing before I do anything else, just saying, come Holy Spirit, come into my life. That simple act of dependence might transform me. Prayer might transform me. Seeking him first might transform me. And yet I just don't do these things. I'm so quick to go to my power and my strength and my doing when he could remove and provide anything that I need if only I would turn to him. Let's be a church who are not like most churches. God bless them. But let's be a church who's uniquely seeking the power and the presence of God. Not in weird ways. It doesn't have to be weird. We have, we have this blessing. This room that we're standing in is, a, is, a, is actually like a really blessed place. Because I-90 was given this building in, I think, 2014 by Trinity Lutheran Church. And Trinity Lutheran, I think they've been here since the 50s. People have been praying in this place. Seeking the Spirit, seeking a move of God in this place for generations. What a legacy that we can make use of, that we can lay hold of, that we can lean into, be so thankful for what's gone on in this place. God is present in this place. We need only to be people who are being filled, breathing Him in, immersed in His presence. I just want to wrap up this way to encourage you guys, because I, I think that, again, we get stuck in this thing where it's like, okay, I need God. He's over here. Um, I, don't, I, I feel the, the weight of sin. I feel the weight of my own failures constantly. I feel like um, I don't have even the energy just to do the simple things like getting up and praying and, and stuff like that, you know? 
We're really individualistic in the way we think about our spiritual development, but I think one hack that we've been invited into is the fact that we are a church, and a church is nothing more than a gathering of people who are all doing this thing of trying to be filled with the Holy Spirit by putting our lives before him and, and just seeking him on a daily basis. And we forget that we're not alone in this. And so I just want to remind you that, because that is like, that is the big, um, the big flex that we can put on, and it's part of how God has designed the church. Romans 15, 13 says this, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of times... Um, the, the challenges that I have with seeking the Spirit are emotional ones. Like, I lack the hope. I lack the hope to go back and do the discipline of just putting my life before him and seeking his fullness. I, I lack the hope. But the thing is, like, we're together for the purpose of building one another up and edifying one another. I thought it was so encouraging last week. Griffin was able to share his testimony. And he just, you know, like, if you weren't here, go back and listen to it. But very quickly, like, he had this dream. He was at a party with a friend. The friend, like, confessed that he was an alcoholic. Um, this was Monday night. And then he just called the guy in the morning and be like, ah, it's probably nothing, but, hey, I just had this dream. This happened. And the guy said, yeah, I'm an alcoholic, and I've been, been crying out to God like I don't know what to do. And Griffin, you know, obviously went, oh, well, you should know. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't hammer me. Just like, like what, what, what awesome, gracious God. Like, how great is God that he just, he just, like, hears your prayers, and then he just says, is somebody come alongside? He says, hey, I was just, like, praying, and, like, God did this thing. Isn't that so encouraging? Isn't it so encouraging to look around and say, oh, man, look, God is doing things among us. Like, we need to talk about these things. We need to share testimonies. I hope to do that more often. Here's another really interesting thing. Two ladies on Monday uh, at, like, 5 o'clock did a prayer walk, and they were praying, Lord, send your spirit. Like, shake things up. Do crazy things. And then what happened Monday night? Griffin has this crazy dream. Now, I'm not saying, oh, well, it's actually there. Let's thank them. No, let's thank God. Like, how cool is it? When we pray, when we seek the Lord, we can just see how God actually works all things together for good. He's, he's calling his church, teaching us to pray, putting us, interceding on our behalf, giving us groans that we can't even articulate in words. He's leading us. And guys, if we only would pay attention, I think, I think a lot of it's just we don't pay attention to the many resources around us. Talk to each other. Share what God is doing. If you need something, bring it to one another. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. We have this really privilege. We have this privilege of being a, a small church. Like, we can know each other. Like, we can actually know each other and get involved in each other's lives. We can also have, like, small groups, small church, small groups. Like, you can get into places where, you, where you're sharing what God is doing in your lives. I want you to encourage you to do that. That is making use of the resources that God has for you. You want to be abounding in hope, believing more than just pay attention to what God is already doing all around you, and then maybe hope, oh, he's going to do something in my life. Because you know what the truth is that Griffin's just a guy. He's a nice guy. I like him a lot. But he's just a guy. He's just like you. And God's given him dreams, filling him with his spirit. He's going to do that to you. 
Because that's who he is. He's not looking at you and saying, better shape up so that I'll pour out my spirit. He says, I've already given you the down payment. I've given you all that you need. Just take it out. Make use of it. Have a life with me. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right. So the worship team is going to come up here. And I just want us to just sit here and wait while they're coming up. And just say that again. And just invite you to do this with me. Just like, put up your hands if you feel comfortable like this, like, like just in this posture of receiving. Because that's it. We just need to receive from him. And just ask him, come Holy Spirit. Lord, even as we worship you to give you glory right now, or would you pour out yourself? Would you fill us with hope? Would you build up our faith? Would you give us testimonies of what you're doing, Jesus? Jesus.